0: The first reading is taken from Luke chapter 4 beginning to read at verse 14 and is in page 1031 of the Pew Bibles. Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. He went to Nazareth He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Then he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him and he began by saying to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. The second reading is taken from Colossians, chapter 1, beginning to read at verse 3. We always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, Because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. The faith and love that spring from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about in the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and growing just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understand God's grace in all its truth this is the word of the lord
1: thank you so much for your welcome uh, i feel very welcome the, the number of people who said hello Uh, and welcome me. Uh, I think it's uh, pretty well a record. Um, So I know you're a very friendly church, people getting out of their seat and coming to say hello, uh, and that is great. My name, as you've heard, is Heather. I live in Fleet, so not that far away from here. And uh, my role with Bible Society is as church partnership manager for London, the whole of London, and the whole of the south-east of England. So you can see why. I'm quite pleased just to come here this morning. Uh, About half an hour, no motorways involved. I often say to people when they ask, what do you do? And I'm tempted to say, I spend my life on motorways. Um, Invariably the M25 uh, and the M3 and sundry other ones. But it's a great privilege what I do. I've been doing it for just over 10 years to share the Bible and to share the work of Bible Society. Now, it's also always a privilege to come to a church who supports Bible Society so that I can say thank you in person, which is what I want to do this morning. And I hope that as I share something from the Bible and something of our work, that you'll be encouraged, inspired by some of the stories, and also perhaps that we will all be challenged by what we hear, you know, it's good to celebrate a good news story. Now, in our household, we need little excuse for a celebration, whether that be um, birthdays. Uh, these are my granddaughters. Uh, they are both well. One is just two. This was one second birthday party, and the other one is going to be two on Easter Sunday. Uh, so that's going to be a great celebration. Birthdays are good. Weddings, we've had both of those. Son and daughter married. Dad, grandchildren. And even, and you might be a little surprised at this, we even celebrated the cat's 18th birthday. Now, and why not? I mean, that's quite a feat, isn't it? To get to 18, there she is. She had her own cake. And uh, she actually uh, very regally sat on the stairs receiving her guest. Um, <laughs> She has moved on to wherever cats move on to, actually the bottom of our garden, but um, we won't go into the theology of that at the moment. But it's good, it's good to celebrate. You know, we have one of our versions of the Bible, don't we, which we call the Good News Bible. And really, in a sense, it's almost tautology, because the Bible, the Gospel, it is good news. And as we approach Easter, we will be celebrating again the greatest good news story. Remember what the angels sang to the shepherds when Jesus was born. I bring you good news of great joy that will be not just for you, no, for all people. We have good news to share. And it's here. It's in our book the Bible. And that is why Bible Society has been working for more than 200 years to offer the Bible to the world, to make the Bible available, accessible, to demonstrate its credibility. Making the Bible available is still a massive challenge This is actually the warehouse at Amity Printing Press in Nanjing, China. I'll come back to that in a minute because I was there a few weeks ago. you know, the work of translation is still a massive challenge. Now, sometimes it's still done like this. Now, up until last weekend, I could pretty well with confidence say, this is on an island that you'll never have heard of. It's Vanuatu, which is a very Christian island. But this is a, a traditional way of doing translation, which often took a lifetime. Thankfully, these days, with laptop technology, we have gradually brought the time down to maybe 10 or 12 years, 15 years. But it is still a massive task. More than half the world's languages still wait for anything from the Bible. Is that incredible? There are 7,000 languages in the world. But when people receive the Bible in their own language, there is incredible joy and celebration. I had the privilege about three, four years ago to be in Ethiopia for the launch of a Bible, the whole Bible, the first time in their language. The celebrations went on for days it's difficult isn't it for us to imagine we who have the bible and even if we don't have it in this sort of form now we have it on our phone our ipad whatever way we choose and yet for those who are just receiving it then it is precious you know i i love the the quotes you know today god's arrived you know he speaks my language Making the Bible accessible, that's also a big challenge. There are many, many barriers to people having a Bible in their own language. One of the barriers is illiteracy. Possibly a billion people in the world can't read. And that is why this is such an important tool. Now you can see it there. It's, for those of us who are older, it's like an old transistor radio. That sort of size, children wouldn't understand that. Now, if you have loads of time, you can wind it up. If you've got electricity, you can plug it in. But, of course, it's solar-powered. This is a solar Bible. Now, how appropriate is that? Technologically appropriate. Uh, Let's just see if we've had enough sunshine recently in fleet.
2: It just speaks. Anybody
1: know that language? No? It's Amharic. Uh, You're probably still none the wiser. That is the main official language in Ethiopia. There's a clue, see, on the screen there. Um, But this is amazing. You know, people just gather around at the end of the day and listen. Even if they can read... They can't necessarily afford the book. And so it's a a great way of people accessing the Bible. And uh, you'll hear a a testimony about that in a minute. Another way in which Bible society is involved in working to make the Bible accessible is through literacy. Uh, Two years ago, just over, I was in Cambodia. And uh, these kids here come from the floating villages in Cambodia, not far from Siem Reap. They are learning to read through using the Bible. And that's a tool that's been used in many, many places around the world. But what about here? What about in our own culture? Now, having read your notices, I'm sure some of you are involved in the Winter Week on Friday, we'll be taking the Bible out into the public square. You don't get much more public, do you, than Trafalgar Square? And it's just such a great way, Bible Society partners with Wintershall now, to bring the Bible alive, to help people who have not a clue. It always amazes me when we're in Trafalgar Square, people sort of say, what's this about? You know, what are those wooden things? You know, because they're not aware of what Good Friday Is all about I wonder if we could try the video we're going to go to Brighton Beach Uh, this is about 18 months ago when uh, Jesus and uh, some of his disciples uh, descended onto Brighton Beach
2: Brighton Beach is known for its eclectic mix but few sites can match this Jesus walking along the shoreline and he certainly was turning heads but why was he here? Well, the answer lay in these 5,000 fish sandwiches, as the Bible Society attempted to recreate one of history's most famous mass catering scenes. How did you respond when somebody said, can you make us 5,000 sandwiches?
0: Well, it's obviously a really big order.
2: Uh, the logistics of getting that many bits of bread together, that much fish, that much tuna. It's great fun. But we've bemused of Brighton still not quite sure what to make of it. What about the taste issue? And I don't mean the sandwiches.
1: If Jesus were here, we think that he'd be on Brighton Beach today, having fun with people, talking to them. And that's exactly what we're trying to do.
2: Jesus himself, alias actor James Burke Dunsmore, was keeping his cool. The reaction is just sublime. Uh, You don't expect anything. You just know that something's going to happen whenever you portray the scripture. And when you see people's eyes as you're just handing them something for nothing, and their eyes light up, That's that's the biggest reward. It's an extraordinary feeling. The sandwiches were certainly popular, but that may be to do with the 21st century phenomenon that everyone likes something if it's free. For the hundreds on Brighton Beach today, they came looking for surf and sunshine. Instead, they found sandwiches and possible salvation. Ian McBride, ITV News, Brighton.
1: Thank you. Now, interesting, that was ITN News. I don't think we'd have dared to say they came for, you know and surf and they may have got sandwiches at salvation very interesting isn't it in the in the voice of somebody else now we know that the majority of people today will not be in church will not be opening a bible and so our challenge is actually to take the bible out to where they are i love this image This dear lady was just sort of, you know, having a little nap in her deck chair, opens her eyes, and Jesus is offering her tuna sandwich. I don't think she's ever going to recover from that, do you? But, you know, we have to be creative. We have to be imaginative. And uh, Bible Society, our sort of media and culture departments, have worked very hard to try and be exactly that and I know also um, somebody's already mentioned to me, Open the Book, you do this locally, uh, now part of Bible Society. What an amazing way, telling the stories to primary children. We've just passed the 2,000 school mark, and there are 11,000 volunteers around the country. So, you know, that means that so many children every week are hearing stories from the Bible who otherwise wouldn't be. This is what it's about, making the Bible accessible. I don't know if any of you have uh, (coughs) heard of the Bible Bedtime app. About a year ago, we launched the Bible Bedtime app. It's a free download. You can find out all about it on the table at the back. And The idea is to encourage families who do not go to church, particularly, to do a Bible Bedtime with their children. And it's, there's five Bible stories. Uh, it's accessible on an app, on an iPad, and the children can get involved. And it's, it's been a great success. So we've just launched a second one at Christmas, the Nativity. Surprise, surprise. And in fact, at Wintershall, I was giving them out in bags at the end of the Nativity performance. Now, these are great tools. Some of you might have had one of these, either in the Radio Times or in another magazine. Uh, We've uh, sent these out all over the place, and particularly the idea is that they should be given to those who are perhaps not familiar with the Easter story. I've bought quite a lot on the table. If you've got someone you could give this to, this one is particularly geared for reading to younger children... This one, the brown one, matches the Bible Bedtime app. And you can simply zap the QR code and it will take you direct to the app. Uh, So please do, if your kids or your grandkids are into that, please do uh, pick one of those up. Whatever we do, wherever we do it, we want this reaction. We want people to know that God loves them, that this is a good news story. As these kids from the Solomon Islands said, you know, God's arrived here. He speaks my language. We want people to discover the good news for themselves, that they will meet Jesus Christ, the living words, when they actually encounter the Bible, the written words. Because when Jesus stood up that day in the synagogue in Nazareth, as we heard from Luke chapter 4, that in itself was not unusual. Reading scripture aloud played a central part in synagogue worship, and any man could do that. So there was nothing different when Jesus stood up as he read that passage from Isaiah. The shocking part was that Jesus, having sat down to offer his thoughts on that familiar passage, then made the dramatic claim. He applied it to himself and then laid claim, therefore, to be the Messiah. You know, in this general election year, we're familiar with manifestos, declarations of intent. Perhaps we're fed up with them already. And here we have what is, of course, known as the Nazareth Manifesto. To bring good news to the poor, to set the imprisoned free, sight to those who can't see, releasing the oppressed, proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. And the response of those hearers is interesting. To start with, they speak well of Jesus. They're amazed by his teachings. But as Jesus expands on his theme and announces a period of God's favour for everyone, that was a shocking thing. Irrespective of race, status, or gender, then their amazement turns to anger. And as we go on in that chapter, the crowd in fact becomes murderous in their intent. It would appear that Jesus' suggestion that God was equally concerned for non Jews was what really prompted their fury. They wanted a Messiah for themselves who would bring freedom and blessing to the Jewish nation. But Jesus is announcing a time when anyone can receive the liberating good news. This scripture reading reminds us that God's plan is that through his written word, as the Holy Spirit speaks, all people might be set free. It's a message of hope for all people everywhere. Reminds me of John 8, verse 32. You'll know the truth And the truth will set you free. Let me introduce you to some people that I've met uh, over the years who this has happened to. This guy is called Ram. I haven't actually met him, I have to admit, this is a story that I've heard. And Ram comes from the Dalit people in India, what we used to call the untouchables. Therefore, he has never had any opportunity to read, learn to read or write. He does a very menial task, bottom of the pile. Life was pretty hard. One day, as he's walking back from the fields, yet again, he hears a noise coming out of a church. And his first surprise, as he stops and just looks in, is that he's welcomed. That doesn't normally happen if you're untouchable. The second surprise is there's no preacher It's the black box that speaks. And the third surprise is what the black box says. The black box says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. God's got amazing timing, hasn't he? And do you know that guy, he did not know that there was any good news for the poor. And as he stayed, he was just mesmerized by the message. And then the pastor explained what it meant And that day he met Jesus Christ for himself. He and later his family. And he was free. He realized, this is good news for me. He was still a Dalit. He was still an untouchable. But actually he knew that he had met the one who could bring true freedom. This is a place that I have been to. It's actually in Nazareth. Now, not Nazareth, Nazareth in Ethiopia. I've not been into many prisons, but this was a really dire place. Several thousand prisoners, men and boys, all together. No meaningful occupation. It was a really, really dark place. The only light was in the chapel. Now, it's not a very good picture because it was dark in there, and he's quite dark. But this guy gave his testimony to us, and it was so powerful. Like Ram, he could not read or write. And so it was only when he was in prison and when he was in the chapel that he heard, literally, through the proclaimer that you've just seen, the good news of Jesus Christ. And his testimony was, I may still be a prisoner on the outside, but now I am free. You See, that's what it's about, isn't it? That is completely what it's about. And he shares that message with those around him. And this guy, who I also met in Ethiopia, this actually was at the launch of that translation that I mentioned. He's called Nasser Mohammed. There's a clue in the name there. So he does not come from a Christian background. His father worked at the mosque locally in Ethiopia, His father had, he shared with us, uh, his father had killed himself. And this man told us how the spirits, as it were, he described it, came to him and tried to convince him to kill himself as well. But that night, he had a vision. And it was of the man Jesus Christ. He didn't know who it was, but Jesus made himself known. And his life turned around from that point. He said, I knew I had to go and, and find a Bible. He was an educated man. And I knew I had to find a church. And this guy, the reason I met him was because for the last 20 years, he had been working to translate the Bible into his people's language. Garagi. And I said to him, what was it that made you give up, as it were, 20 years of your life? He, um, as I said, very educated, very bright guy. Could have had an excellent career. And he just looked at me and he said... I have come from darkness into light. Why wouldn't I want to do this so that my people can hear the good news in their own language? Can't say anything to that, can you? You know, powerful testimony. I have the privilege of travelling, I should have explained this, partly because I lead the vision visits for Bible Society. I think it's because I was a geography teacher in my previous life uh, for many years, so I'm very used to field trips. Now I take uh, church leaders, um, and volunteers, when I used to take teenage girls. Not much difference. <coughs> Except the church leaders can be more tricky sometimes. But, you know, this is why it's so powerful, actually seeing for yourself. You know, when people say, so, so what is the good news? What's good about it? Well, if, perhaps if you've only got one verse to explain, then it's this verse, isn't it? For God so loved... Not just the Jewish people, as they found out that day. He loves the world. And he loves the prisoner. He loves each one, including us, including those guys in Trafalgar Square who know nothing. This is the good news that we have to share. And over the centuries and still today, the Bible continues to provoke strong reactions, as it did in Nazareth. It's been banned it's been burned and written off by many and yet it survives because it's god's word it's the written word of god so it says in isaiah chapter 40 the grass may wither the flowers will fall but the word of god stands forever just look at what happens in china i've mentioned that i've been to china twice in the last 18 months with groups of church leaders Very, very powerful experience. That book that was once banned and burned 40 years ago is now unofficially the bestseller in China today. Who would have believed that? One million people, they say, became Christians in China last year. It's mind-boggling, absolutely mind-boggling. And so there is a massive demand for the Bible There's that stunning statistic. If you look at this crowd of people, this is in the Yellow River district of China. They were expecting 2,000. They had 2,000 Bibles. Oh, up my Chinese Bible. 2,000 and 10,000 people came. Now, last year when I was in a a church in Yangtze province, We had a hundred Bibles to give out. And I've never been in this situation before. We didn't have enough. you imagine that? People went away sad because they had not got a Bible. And it is just an amazing story of God's grace that the biggest Bible printing press in the world should be in Communist China, in Nanjing. You know, I love the I love the fact that the very first printing presses that brought out the Bible in 1987 were the same ones that have been printing the Little Red Book. There's a conversion story, isn't it? Isn't that incredible? More than 127 million Bibles have been printed now in China. More than half are for the church in China, and the rest are exported around the world. It is an amazing thing to see the, as it were, the production line. One Bible every second. As I walked around Amity Press, I've been twice now, you just keep saying, wow, you know, it's amazing. So incredible what God has done. Bible Society is involved through the China Partnership, and uh, the Bibles that have the pink edges, as you can see there, these are the ones that we subsidise. We pay For the paper that um, goes into these Bibles, it just costs 80p per Bible, uh, which in itself is quite amazing. And, uh, you know, this was um, taken back in November when we were in a village church in Yunnan, which is in the far southwest, up in the mountains of China, at six hours by minibus and other various forms of transport, Uh, 3,000 metres above sea level, never seen Europeans before. Just that joy for the first time. Can you imagine living all your life as a Christian and never having a Bible of your own? This lady had had a Bible. Uh, She's an educated woman. But three years ago, she told us that her brother had gone to work in the city. And they had only one Bible in the family. And so they felt he should have it. So for three years, she has not had a Bible. Just imagine, no wonder she's joyful. No wonder she's smiling. Because that day, we were able to give her a Bible again. And uh, this is in another church. Uh, This lady I discovered through the translator was 78 years old. She'd been a Christian for more than 50 years. Just imagine the privilege I had of giving her her first ever Bible. We're so casual You know, we don't even bring our Bible, I mean, just the same, to church. Oh, there'll be one in the pews. You know, we don't need to take it. The Bible for these guys is precious. So precious. The hunger that we see in China and indeed around the world is a massive challenge to us. Both to feed that hunger by providing Bibles. But also it's a challenge to us who have it but don't necessarily read it or take it we take it for granted. Because if we believe that this is seriously good news, whether it's in our language or in a Chinese language, we've got to take it seriously for ourselves. And we've got to want to share it with others. Jesus made it clear in that manifesto that the good news was not exclusive to the chosen few. It was a message for everyone And whilst millions still wait to have it in their own language, in a format they can understand, at a price they can afford, then Bible Society is committed, with your support, to make it available and accessible, to demonstrate it's credible. None of this work would be possible without the prayers, the gifts, the legacies of individuals and churches such as you, so let me thank you once again for your partnership with us in this work. And let me encourage you to pray for the work, particularly perhaps the work in China. And I, I've got something that you can take away with you, which I think hope will help you to remember to pray for the work in China. This is an off-cut. No Bibles have been damaged, I assure you, of a Chinese Bible in Mandarin. Put this in your own Bible to remind you to pray for the church in China. And uh, if you want to know, is any Mandarin speakers here? No? Ah, yes, I thought so, but I didn't like to presume. So therefore, don't mob them, but um, they'll be able to tell you where it comes from. (laughs) If not, you can always pop into your nearest Chinese takeaway and say, somebody gave me this, I think this is in Mandarin, could you just tell me what it says? And it could be a real opener, couldn't it, for a conversation. I say this in so many churches. I'm really looking forward to hearing some feedback um, when people actually do that. Prayer is something that we can all do. There are other challenges. A roll of paper will actually produce 600 Bibles, now, think of the impact of that. Now, if you don't know what a roll of paper looks like, there I am modelling one. <laughs> now, I told you... Oh, well, I didn't say I was a... Geog- did I tell you I was a... Ge- yes, I did. I was a geography teacher, you see, so you've always got to have something for scale. And um, there I am. Just think of the impact of that roll of paper. 600 Bibles. It costs less than 500 pounds. So maybe that's a challenge for you as a church, that you would like to direct your giving to that. Or... As individuals, I'm sure that some of you are already Bible a month supporters. If you are, then thank you so much. That is our very simple regular giving scheme. The little form looks like this, got a little Chinese boy on the front. £5 a month will provide a Bible for somebody somewhere in the world. Now that includes the cost of translating, production, distribution as well. Now, five pounds, what can you get for that? You know, when I'm at Waterloo Station, as I frequently am, you know, you can hardly buy coffee and a muffin for five pounds. And yet, for that amount, you can provide a Bible for someone every month. Obviously, you can provide more than one Bible. Um, <clears throat> but that's that's a challenge for us individually. We can make a difference. So I pray that each one of us will... Be determined to take this book seriously for ourselves, and may we know too the joy that the angels talked about so long ago this Easter time. And may we be encouraged to share this good news with others. Thank you.
3: Just off the spur, on the spur of the moment, just a few things coming to mind that huge challenge of how we can support people around the world but also the joy on their faces as they read the bible mm. and i wonder if we've lost that for ourselves how can we rekindle in our own lives that joy that we can receive from from understanding and reading the bible so i wonder whether one challenge for us as well as thinking about bible society thinking about our own Bible reading and how we might actually probe more, understand more, and just really be joyful in what we can read. We have the Bible in our language that speaks to us. I think I saw Colin Matthews here. Did I? Could you stand up a moment? Colin, like, if i got this right. You are involved with Bible reading fellowship trustees. Would you be able to, to bring us some things sometime that might help us Brilliant. And there's other things as well. Maybe over the weeks to come, Colin, you could give us links to other things. Things for your phones, things, you know, apps. There are so many ways that we can read our Bibles. And today, also, there's some Bible reading notes that are available for free, as well as the um, BRF ones. Nancy Parker's got four copies. Stand up, Nancy. Oh, only two left, going like (laughs) hotcakes. So if you would really like something to help read your Bible for two months or three months, speak to Nancy. We've got some spare ones from another publication that Nancy has. But let's, you know, there's a challenge. How do we get those faces of joy for ourselves as we rediscover, you know, the the joy of, of the Bible?